Then she ran into the house, and he watched there until the gas went on. For the next week Samuel was in a nervous turmoil. Some persistently rational strain warned him that at bottom he and Marjorie had little in common. But in such cases there is usually so much mud in the water that one can seldom see to the bottom. Every dream and desire told him that he loved Marjorie, wanted her, had to have her. The quarrel developed. Marjorie's husband took to staying in New York until late at night, came home several times disagreeably overstimulated, and made her generally miserable. They must have had too much pride to talk it out, for Marjorie's husband was, after all, pretty decent, so it drifted on from one misunderstanding to another. Marjorie kept coming more and more to Samuel. When a woman can accept masculine sympathy, it is much more satisfactory to her than crying to another girl. But Marjorie didn't realize how much she had begun to rely on him, how much he was part of her little cosmos. One night, instead of turning away when Marjorie went in and lit the gas, Samuel went in, too, and they sat together on the sofa in the little parlor. He was very happy. He envied their home, and he felt that a man who neglected such a possession out of stubborn pride was a fool and unworthy of his wife. But when he kissed Marjorie for the first time, she cried softly and told him to go. He sallied home on the wings of desperate excitement, quite resolved to fan this spark of romance, no matter how big the blaze or who was burned. At the time, he considered his thoughts were unselfishly of her. In a later perspective, he knew that she had meant no more than the white screen in a motion picture. It was just Samuel, blind, desirous. Next day at Trini's, when they met for lunch, Samuel dropped all pretense and made frank love to her. He had no plans, no definite intentions, except to kiss her lips again to hold her in his arms and feel that she was very little and pathetic and lovable. He took her home, and this time they kissed until both their hearts beat high. Words and phrases formed on his lips. And then suddenly there were steps on the porch. A hand tried the outside door. Marjorie turned dead white. Wait, she whispered to Samuel in a frightened voice, but in angry impatience at the interruption he walked to the front door and threw it open. Everyone has seen such scenes on the stage, seen them so often that when they actually happen, people behave very much like actors. Samuel felt that he was playing a part, and the lines came quite naturally. He announced that all had a right to lead their own lives, and looked at Marjorie's husband menacingly, as if daring him to doubt it. Marjorie's husband spoke of the sanctity of the home, forgetting that it hadn't seemed very holy to him lately. Samuel continued along the line of the right to happiness. Marjorie's husband mentioned firearms and the divorce court. Then suddenly he stopped and scrutinized both of them. Margie in pitiful collapse on the sofa, Samuel haranguing the furniture in a consciously heroic pose. Go upstairs, Marjorie, he said in a different tone. Stay where you are, Samuel countered quickly. Marjorie rose, wavered, and sat down, rose again, and moved hesitantly toward the stairs. Come outside, said her husband to Samuel. I want to talk to you. Samuel glanced at Marjorie, tried to get some message from her eyes, then shut his lips and went out. There was a bright moon, and when Marjorie's husband came down the steps, Samuel could see plainly that he was suffering, but he felt no pity for him. 
They stood and looked at each other a few feet apart, and the husband cleared his throat as though it were a bit husky. "'That's my wife,' he said quietly, and then a wild anger surged up inside him. "'Damn you!' he cried, and hit Samuel in the face with all his strength. In that second, as Samuel slumped to the ground, it flashed to him that he had been hit like that twice before, and simultaneously the incident altered like a dream. He felt suddenly awake. Mechanically he sprang to his feet and squared off. The other man was waiting fists up a yard away, but Samuel knew that though physically he had him by several inches and many pounds, he wouldn't hit him. The situation had miraculously and entirely changed. A moment before Samuel had seen to himself heroic. Now he seemed the cad, the outsider, and Marjorie's husband silhouetted against the lights of the little house. The eternal heroic figure, the defender of his home. There was a pause, and then Samuel turned quickly away and went down the path for the last time. 